But I think what's what's interesting about the wellness space is that it has opened society up to thinking in a more holistic fashion about how you nourish yourself throughout your life. And that is only valuable, you know. And I think um, when we get to midlife particularly, it's often the recognition that the tools that have got you to this point aren't necessarily the ones that are going to help you get through the next stage that, that is the most important thing to mm-hmm. to recognize and again women who have almost come to the edge you know have almost got to a point where they're burnt out and 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 therefore they have no choice but to stop and rethink i think those women particularly are the ones that come back into the community with that story and that real desire to help us learn that you know this this kind of myth that women should be able to have it all and do it all is not going to help you as you transition through the menopause. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause podcast, the show where we crack open the conversation about this time of life and empower you to become the CEO of your menopause transition. I'm your host, Dr. Clarissa Christensen. Join me and my guests as each week we show you how you can thrive through menopause. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And we think about how things are changing in the menopause world. There's a lot going on with an increasing interest from big pharma and doctors. And, you know, personally, those of you that have listened to this podcast for a while, or if you're new to it, you'll know that I believe in informed choice for women having knowledge and being able to choose and master the direction that they want to manage their menopause in. And so I'm delighted today to have somebody I have been following for a while on Instagram and whose business I'm very excited about is really talking about how we can on a mission to change the change. So welcome to the show. Rebecca Brown from Empowder. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Rebecca, I mean, I've been following your business and and really the community that you're building, which I think is wonderful. But tell us a little bit about you and how this journey actually started. Well, I will keep it short. Uh, But um, how did it start? And a little bit about me. So, I am a consumer researcher by trade, so I spent my career up until this point really listening very, very hard to what consumers were feeling, what consumers were looking for in their lives, which brands resonated with them, what they wanted from businesses and corporates uh, in the future. So I had a very, um, and I loved my job, and I had a very sort of privileged role in that I was, I was sort of tapping into all kinds of different conversations every day. That was kind of what I did. Um, and it was something that I found incredibly rewarding. Um, I was very, very happy uh, working in a creative industry that sort of took those insights on board and sort of almost held companies to account. You know, I was very much uh, focused on working with businesses that had an ethical mindset and really understood that there was a transaction that took place between consumer and company, and that the best businesses were the ones that were looking to enhance life. Um, and then um, about a year and a half ago, I was merrily still doing my job uh, and loving it, um, and I found myself increasingly struggling. And the only way I can describe it, and this is something I'm sure you've heard a million times before, Clarissa, is I just didn't feel like myself. So. 
I became incredibly anxious. You know, I, I was going into board meetings, presenting research, which I'd, I'd done a million times before. And suddenly just the anxiety that would hit me before those kind of um, interactions was, was, was awful. I wasn't sleeping. Uh, I was having hot flushes. Uh, I was waking up in the night with my sort of heart racing. Uh, I had a joyous outbreak of acne. That was fun. Um, and eventually I decided that I would take some time off and try and get better. And the first thing I did was to go to my doctor. And again, this won't be a surprise to you or any of your listeners. Um, but in going into my doctor's surgery, I had no idea about the perimenopause. I didn't really even know it as a term. And uh, it transpires that my doctor really didn't understand this life stage either. And so I was in a unfortunate but very common situation uh, that we find women facing in the UK in that I was told I was too young you know I couldn't be menopausal because I was 45 and I was probably burnt out and tired and really the best thing for me to do would be to go to my local health food store and pick up some supplements and just you know take some time out uh, effectively yeah. um, and this is the case for 75 percent of women in the UK and I think the stats are really similar across uh, most of the western world yeah. in that we will go to the doctors 75 um, percent of us who go will also be turned away so my experience of ending up in a in a health food store is the experience of pretty much the majority of women in society today um, experience and I probably would have just shoveled product into my basket had I not been a researcher and I think three things <laughs> struck me <laughs> um, so uh, wandering down that aisle feeling quite distressed and a little bit lost um, I was quite frankly horrified by uh, the, the sort of the brands I saw being played back to me and it's probably because I am acutely tuned into that because it's my job but it genuinely felt like I was in a end of life aisle rather than a <laughs> menopause aisle um, and I mean, just the imagery and the the sort of assumption that I'd probably be in my mid-70s and definitely have dentures and likely to be in a cornfield. Um, <laughs> and I was kind of looking at this packaging and I was kind of thinking, who, who is this? Like, who, who's who are they targeting? And is it me? Because if it is, that's really quite distressing. Mm -hmm. uh, but also just thinking about my peer group, I was thinking, you know, none of the women I know would engage with these kinds of brands from a pure sort of... Um, mindset and playing back the attitude you have towards life at this stage none of them were doing that well so that worried me um and then i think when i started looking at the products themselves i was confused because i understood by this point that i was not i hadn't had my menopause but i was perimenopausal and i understood that biochemically that meant my body was going through some changes they're very different when you you finish your period and so i couldn't understand why there was only a menopause supplement like why is there just one it's like a multivitamin you know it just felt like such a blunt instrument for this very sort of um complex biochemical stage that our body goes through why is there just one tablet um and i think the final thing that um really motivated me to act i guess was the fact that the the sort of the ingredients and the the, the dosages and just the sources of vitamins um in these products i knew enough about you know that the, the bioavailability of them the quality of them it just wasn't good stuff in the majority of cases and that is a very long-winded way of me telling you how um i guess i came to <laughs> create empowered because because in summary um i wasn't comfortable taking the product it didn't feel like anything on those shelves was going to genuinely make me feel better in a way that I felt comfortable with. I wanted really to find the same things in the menopause space 
that I was finding in all other areas of my life. I wanted something that was natural. I wanted something that had, you know, some efficacy behind it, some proof of it actually working. And I wanted, I, I wanted brands that kind of spoke to me in the way that I, you know, represented female midlife in the way that I knew female midlife was not, not in this kind of very, very dated view of being kind of past your best and past real value to society, which I think is, is the, sort of the, the dangerous thing about this period in our lives. And I, and I can think that everybody listening to this program feels the same <laughs> to this episode. I mean, you know, and I spend a lot of time making visual representations, you know, mm. to put in places and I look and I go, I can't show that image. Oh my God, is this, is this how the media is representing us in, in various forms, whether that, yeah. as you said, is on packaging. And I'm, I'm equally as, as disconnected as, as you're describing. Um, and I know that, you know, there's a lot of effort we're trying to say, this is not how we are. And, mm. and so I'm, I don't know about you, but, you know, having also been a consumer researcher in a, in a bar's life, yeah. it feels like those brands don't speak to, to women. No, and I think it's it's fascinating because we're we're actually really valuable. So again, you and I will know from our our backgrounds that women often hold a lot of the sort of responsibility for household spend. Uh, we're you know in a very privileged position in the Western world um, in that we are for the first time in history more likely to be in senior positions, more likely to be earning more, more likely at this life stage actually to be in work where maybe a generation or so ago we might have been retiring from the workplace much earlier. We're, we're working for our menopause and I think also we, we're, we're sort of part of this new generational interplay where the millennial audience has influenced up and that's really the first generation I think that has done that and so we we as women in our mid 40s upwards actually sort of relate much more closely to that millennial you know that generation coming behind us and we we expect brands to talk to us in that same way you know we expect honesty and authenticity we expect brands to have a sense of purpose where they're putting something back into the community and mm -hmm. um, what was very bizarre about the menopause space is it's just like a, a a blank box where you suddenly lost that um that recognition of of, of how people should interact with with businesses and brands and I mean, I think there's a laziness there. I think it's, you know, sadly, there's a there's a lack of recognition of the impact this has. You know, um, we might be 51% of the population, but for some reason, the fact <laughs> that every woman goes through it uh, doesn't really seem to have kind of uh, hit home. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly surprised by how little innovation and kind of interest there is actually in this life stage from a purely commercial point of view. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that disconnect by just how much of the total company spend uh, or household mm. spend or business spend is done by us. We, most household purchases, as you said, are made by women in the household. Mm. And we want, I mean, we look at inspirational brands now. I mean, for whatever what you think about Gwyneth Paltrow or whatever you think about things like that, yeah. she kind of sets up the kind of things that she talks about that we're interested in we're spending money on retreats and yoga and yep. you know a lot of the spend and the whole new lifestyle and health and wellness is female yeah. and then you come to I the know. pile and we look and it looks like something out of grandma i feel like someone told me i had to pull on 
you know, sensible shoes and elasticated waist. <laughs> totally, totally. And it's, uh, and I think what's really, you know, on a positive note, uh, I think what's really exciting about what, what we're seeing happening um, in, in this space, in midlife generally, is that women have actually got a little bit tired of um, waiting for brands and media to catch up with the way that they see themselves. And I think that's why Instagram is such an interesting and fertile space for reframing midlife because you're actually seeing women at a grassroots level presenting new narratives and new pictures and new inspiration actually of what midlife should be and is mm -hmm. and they're far ahead of the brand you know if you look at other mm -hmm. sectors where the brands lead popular narrative and and, and visual representation of, of society we're seeing it completely flipped in midlife for women and I think you know when you talk to women about where they go for inspiration, it's actually not the big brands that you would you would um, expect to be playing the space. It's these amazing women that they've found. You know, there's someone in Australia who's actually just sharing her life on, on Instagram, and it's so empowering because it's so honest and it's actually so beautiful. You know, these women are beautiful women doing amazing things or just living their life in a really authentic way. And I find that, you know, to your point about sort of empowered in the community we're building. I find that really fascinating that women are almost taking control of the reins now and going, okay, well, we're just gonna we're just gonna reframe it ourselves because you go, and you guys will hopefully at some point catch up and show us a little bit more respect. Um. Maybe, or we just adopt millennial brands and adapt them in some way. Um, and yeah. I and I think that's not just in one category, but it's across the categories. It's not just in the menopausal, but I think mm. in beauty too that there is. A, you know, still a narrative that's very stuck in anti-aging is still yeah. stuck in somehow that we're not beautiful enough and we need to be younger or whatever it is. And, yeah. and that's not quite coherent with how we as women see us. We don't want to look like we're 30 or very few of us do. We actually want to look the age we are and celebrate it and continue yeah. to celebrate. And I think you're right. That's what Instagram is, is showing us that we're not ashamed of our grey hair. We're not. We're we're actually like our laughter lines, and we all want to be fit and well and healthy. But that's a very yeah. different representation to either I want to look twenty years younger, or that I have to be uh, apologetic for the way I look. Yeah. No, I I totally agree, and I think I think the, the anti-aging point is really interesting because you are seeing again that that sort of um, embracing of uh, wisdom and aging well and all the value that comes from having lived a life that's full uh, across these social channels and then you're seeing a slow sort of dawning amongst the beauty industry that, that those terms aren't helpful you know so I think we will see uh, a retiring perhaps of the phrase anti-aging you know and I, I've, I've had a number of conversations with beauty brands in recent months where there is an acknowledgement that perhaps that is now out of tune with the way that women want to be talked to um, and that this sort of positive um, sort of uh, recognition of what value comes from from age yeah. is something that is, is the next thing to be to be focused and, and sort of harnessed from a sort of a brand perspective because um, we know from research that women are more likely to be happy as they transition through menopause you know we have a huge surge of creativity um, we're more likely to start businesses um, yourself and I obviously doing that um, and you know, we're actually a better bet for investors. You know, we're more likely to succeed in our businesses because of all of the wisdom and the life experience we've had. So I think those kind of narratives are really interesting when you think about what midlife should be 
and you know hopefully for future generations it not being this awful phase that you sort of approach with trepidation and horror but actually something that's a liberation point where you get to become you know your full self um which is really exciting i think it is exciting i think you've touched on that we become our full selves and what i absolutely love in this space is that we um can be a different role model for the generation that's following us that a lot of i think um younger women are still not quite there because the conversation yeah. hasn't trickled down and yet i think that's a huge a huge part of what we have a responsibility as midlife women to introduce to start to talk about this with less fear-based language and i see that in yeah. your community how how uplifting and, and factual it is rather than the myth and misinformation that maybe we came up with or mm. just lack of information which you met with your doctor and that unfortunately is very very common yeah yeah and i think um i mean you're absolutely right and i think one thing that that i found incredibly um touching and motivating about our community is we we have a survey on our website that encourages women to just share their learning, you know, what's worked, what hasn't worked, um, what you wish you'd known when you were younger. And so many of the women that complete that survey are postmenopausal women, you know, women in their late 60s and 70s who are just so keen to ensure that other people don't enter this life stage with the same lack of knowledge and the same fear that they had. And they're sort of almost writing back to their younger selves is all about it's really nice on the other side you know actually over here a lot of the worries and the and the um you know if only i'd known some of the things that could have helped from a sort of mindset perspective and a sort of nourishment perspective but actually being on the other side of it is in incredibly liberating and exciting and um i love the fact that i think women are very very good at this when they come together but this desire to sort of leave things better for the future uh, generations who come to this point I think it's just such a lovely warm thing to do because there's nothing in it for them that survey there's nothing they're not they've been through it in quite a painful yeah. fashion often um, but to kind of give five minutes of your time purely because you're motivated to to try and ensure that no one else goes into it as blind as you did I think it's just such a testament to how women can support each other exactly and I and I think that is the beauty of being older that you can do that i mean i'm 60 now well i'm up so 60 in a few weeks time and oh, and right. now <laughs> you know, oh well i don't even feel that age you know what's <laughs> except that there's 60 years of, of experience which is yeah. scattered with how should we say failure and uh and and success and and yeah. things that i wish that i had known that i want younger women to know and i'm sure that's what you're seeing in your community too yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I think also just there's been a broadening. I think the wellness industry is such a, an interesting one and it has it has many flaws and it has it has many areas of it that I find, you know, less positive and helpful, particularly for women. But I think what's what's interesting about the wellness space is that it has opened society up to thinking in a more holistic fashion about how you nourish yourself throughout your life. And that is only valuable, you know, and I think um, when we get to midlife particularly it's often the recognition that the tools that have got you to this point aren't necessarily the ones that are going to help you get through the next stage that, that is the most important thing to mm -hmm. to recognize and again women who have almost come to the edge you know have almost got to a point where they're burnt out and 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 therefore they have no choice but to stop and rethink 
I think those women particularly are the ones that come back into the community with that story and that real desire to help us learn that you know this this kind of myth that women should be able to have it all and do it all is not going to help you as you transition through the menopause <laughs> no it's not you can have it all and do it all but maybe not all at once <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly more the narrative we'd like we won't want to say we're limited but yes we can't we can't as both you and i have experienced mm. live at that pace it, mm. It, it, the body doesn't allow us and it sends us signals that we probably ignored I don't know if what that's happened to you that it was probably okay. sending you small signals that we are rushing around and not listening and then suddenly it just says no enough enough yeah. is enough yeah and I think I mean I think the other thing sort of from a mental point of view and sort of having spoken to you know a number of, of um, coaches working in uh, the menopause sphere is that women often kind of uh, carry with them into the menopause um, all kinds of sort of uh, insecurities that they've had from their, you know, right from the, the, their early sort of uh, teenage years and beyond and that they've never really come to terms with, you know, the, sort of this sense of imposter syndrome, you mm. know, that kind of perpetuates um, uh, women's ability to feel comfortable as they move up the career ladder and the, the sense of guilt that they often carry that they're sort of stretching themselves too thinly and I think often sadly as you say our bodies do get to a point where they they just demand attention at this at this point of life but it's also an opportunity to to sort of unpick some of that stuff and I think that's probably why we do emerge happier it's not necessarily that we we do find this magic formula for having it all and and doing it all but we work out actually what we want to have and I think that's that's the most valuable thing that menopause can bring. That if you if you allow yourself time to explore areas that you might not have uh, ever allowed yourself to explore before, that's that's the point where really you can kind of you know step into being your sort of your true self, as, as a lot of the women in the wellness space will talk to. This this idea that um, you know you you take control of how you want to be defined and you take control of, of what you want to be and do. Mm, I think that and that is that having that sense of what are my values in life mm. and what is my purpose in life you know where what do I want to to actually do what's important to me and I think that there isn't a I don't know your view but I don't personally see that that's one thing or the other it's whatever you want it's your yeah. story and you write it yeah. now Yes, and I think that's I think that's a really interesting point, um, particularly around menopause, because there has been almost a single narrative um, up until this point around what menopause is, um, how you'll experience it if you don't experience it in that kind of very stereotypical sort of media managed way, i.e., you know, hot flashes and standing in a fridge and waking up in the middle of the night with you know in a pool of sweat. That's basically menopause. You know, forget the other thirty-four symptoms <laughs> associated with it. You know, that is menopause, and um, you know, and, and tantrums and uh, mood swings, and you know, your partners and family members rolling their eyes in the corner. Um, and I think. Um, you know what we're learning is that the tools that you need the, the the decisions you make they have to be as individual as you are and actually your menopausal journey is in, entirely individual it's very rare to meet someone who has exactly the same experience um going through it in terms of how their body behaves and i think you know it took a while if you i often compare the menopause um transition to uh, pregnancy and obviously the main difference being that not every woman uh, chooses to or can get pregnant but you have eight to ten months of your life uh, if you're a pregnant lady where your body goes through three distinct 
biochemical changes. We talk about the trimesters. Yeah. We understand it. We understand that every, every woman's pregnancy journey is different. And yet the menopause, you know, for a start, every woman goes through it. So there's not that, that element of, of choice or, or, or um, uh, involved, but everyone gets it. But also it's eight to 10 years rather than eight to 10 months. And yet the narrative is, is really single-minded and the yeah. attention given to it by the sort of medical community and also just generally in society mm. is, is so many miles away from the support and the understanding and the education that surrounds fertility. Yeah, I agree. And I totally agree with you that, that it is this unfolding um, change because it's not like, well, hormones are here and then they're here, are they? I mean, they are fluctuating, they're declining, there's other things going on with us at the same time because we're going through big psychological and societal changes as we go through physiological ones. So we're mm. navigating maybe even more than we are in pregnancy, shorter term and, and very defined and everybody going, isn't it lovely you're having a baby <laughs> and talking about <laughs> yeah. it and, and absolutely yeah. nobody's talking to you at all. It's like, no, I don't want to hear about your yeah. menopause journey really. But it yeah. is unfolding um experience and you can start by maybe feeling very moody you can end up having mm. a hot flush uh, period where you maybe for a period of six months all you do is boiling hot and you're not yeah. you know it's it's so individual and and you know and i think that you're right this sort of standard this is what it is 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 not actually very helpful for today's woman who is different because of her ethnicity the age she starts yeah. this you know her past medical history the stress she's under there it's just an enormous uh, set of factors that that yeah. have to be worked through so a catch-all doesn't work no and i think i think that's a really important point as well when sort of considering how you support this life stage i think the 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 mistake perhaps is you look at that aisle in your health food st store and you think that a tablet or a supplement is going to be a silver bullet and you know we've been really conscious as a brand taking to market a series of, of um, nutritional powders that we're not the silver bullet either you know we may have um, the, the sort of the lab backed uh, research into ingredients um, and we may have the trial data with our community that helps drive our innovation but we'd never promise that by taking M powder, you're going to wake up tomorrow and feel amazing. Because uh, unfortunately, that, that doesn't seem to be possible. Um, and, and that's why we're so focused on almost exploring and being part of that journey with the women in our community around, well, what else does help? You know, is it cognitive behavioural therapy? Is it acupuncture? Is it just doing a massive HIIT workout? You know, and understanding how your hormones uh, react to exercise at different points in your cycle, you know, understanding how stress in the workplace impacts on your hormones and your adrenal glands. You know, living through this current uh, moment in time, and I'm sure you've found this amongst your community, women are struggling even more because the underlying, you know, anxiety that has come as a result of a, of a global pandemic means that our hormones and our testosterone particularly you know is even more yeah. in flux and so all of the symptoms that that women would would expect to experience and had been experiencing have been you know exacerbated by this moment in time you know and, and then you lay on top of the fact that you know we're at home we might be juggling a job we might be worried about elderly parents 
we might be worried about our children's schooling you know all of those things uh sort of impacting in a very sort of specific way on the female experience in midlife and i think um what's interesting is that this pandemic has also perhaps shined a, a spotlight on the importance of wellness you know mm -hmm. and and the fact that actually you know you can't escape your body you're in it so you know whether it's sort of a meltdown that comes about because you've not listened to signals for so long which is definitely what happened to me yes. or whether it's actually this period of, of lockdown which has forced us all to consider the way that we live and, and how much we prioritize our health yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting emerging from it not just about how we as a, a sort of a global community um, address the life balance that we need to have to stay well but also for women you know this period of time has I think perhaps heightened for many in our community um, the opportunity almost they have to take control again of, of, of um, their lives and what they want it, what they want their lives to be and therefore you know how they want to nourish their bodies and minds. Yes I, I think that that is such an important point in time that we're living in and I think you've brought up so many of the factors that are now at play here in this this unique moment and for some women i think they they have went like whoa i don't move i don't eat all day um i spend all my days drinking coffee and as yeah. a time to actually realize and relish that you can take breaks move around and do your other things i think for some women it's been overwhelming mm. because you have your partner two inches from your face and children here <laughs> and actually working from home has somebody another coach said to me we haven't been cooking meals we've been running restaurants <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> which yes. is so right you know suddenly we realize how much of that side of life we actually take alongside mm. um working and there's not the respite because often we can go off to work and offload some of our duties to others and that all of that has come together and what does that mean for us as women that's an yeah. interesting time for us to renegotiate our boundaries i think yes and i think boundaries boundaries are are well they're really important at this point in midlife as well and i think i think what we're also seeing particularly in the uk is as this period of, of perhaps self-reflection has has been brought about as a result of the world just stopping in a way that no one could ever have anticipated I'm seeing that the publications, you know, the media titles in the UK are going in, inside themselves too. And so what we've seen in the UK is, is that the menopause has become a subject and a topic that has only gained momentum in the last three or four months. And I think it's, it's interesting. I think, you know, if, if I look at it from a pure sort of statistical perspective, one in three editors in the UK now is female. Uh, so the broadsheets and the tabloids, you know, the, the sort of the narrative and the topic that are being covered have have a female agenda in a way that they didn't 10 years ago. Um, but it, I think it's also as a result of us all working out what it is we want the, the life that we merge into to be. And, and there does seem to be that the, that the women um, perhaps who are uh, running these titles are looking at their own lives and they're looking at their sort of, you know, the, the, the resolutions perhaps that they will make as they emerge from this period. And, and, and that has resulted in a huge sort of um, exploration of menopause, midlife, the role of women generally in society. And as you say, you know, the boundaries that we need to put in place for us all to thrive healthily and for society to function well. And I think when I hear that, I realize that 
that isn't where the rest of the world is quite at either. So it's it's quite interesting that mm. this is not a huge discussion topic in the US. I mean, there are a lot of other bigger issues really blowing up there, mm. but somehow the women's agenda is has not come up in the same way. And when you say to people like I do, oh, I'm a menopause coach, they go, oh my God, is there such a thing even? You know, because it really is very low on the radar yet they recognize the value of it uh, or if we were to turn to southern europe or, or even to asia where i'm increasingly seeing this is becoming a discussion topic in places like india and and china that hasn't even started to really talk but they recognize it i think we yeah. are only going to see people look at the uk and learn from there and then begin to see how that rolls out and the narratives will be different because the start points are different but there is an increasing uh, presence of women in more senior places, as you said, and this conversation has got to start happening or is happening, but it's still, it's still a long way behind. Yeah, I, and I find that fascinating as well. And sort of talking to uh, colleagues and peers in the US, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. I've been sort of surprised in a way because you have had in the US celebrities using their platform to be quite vocal about their own menopause transitions. And there's been almost a, a celebration and a holding up of, you know, J-Lo in her yeah. 50s pole dancing or, or Oprah talking about the, the sort of the empowerment she felt as a result of transitioning through menopause. But as you say, sort of in terms of the impact that's had on, on the sort of the broader media debate and, and the impact that's had on women every day, it, it hasn't sort of risen in the same way. But when I look at um, innovation in the menopause space, you know, I see two things. You know, one is that there's a lack of products coming to market that can genuinely provide, I guess, alternatives, you know, choice and, and um, alternative routes through the menopause. But what I am seeing is a bubbling up of tech platforms that are looking to provide women with access perhaps to those specialists. And you do see that happening in the States. So you might not see sort of innovation from a product point of view, but what you're seeing is that early sort of stage of the market establishing itself where it's pulling together, you know, you, you have marketplaces in the US where they might not be creating their own products, but they're finding the ones that exist and they're putting them all in one place for you, or they're providing digital consultations with menopause specialists or, or gynecologists. Yes. Um, and so they're recognizing that, that, that there needs to be destinations that women can go to, to find support. So that, that you see in the States, but as you say, you're not having that broader societal debate. In the UK, we've been incredibly lucky that it's been really grassroots activism that has resulted in this 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 coming up the agenda you know the fact that it was referenced at the Labour Party conference last year the fact that we had legislation passed in the government to change secondary school education so we actually talked about it which is helpful um uh, so it's been quite shocking that that wasn't the case um and and that, that continues to be a movement driven by women who've had truly horrible experiences you know that that's the thing that really unites the UK I think is that women have 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 actually come together and so this just isn't acceptable and so the women at the forefront of those grassroots campaigns are often women who've had particularly hard times themselves and again as we were talking about in in the way that i've seen that in my survey data they just want to ensure that it doesn't happen for other people um, and that the power of those individuals into galvanizing women to sign petitions and lobby governments and, and, and make change happen has been incredibly well incredibly helpful but also really inspiring to see yeah, I feel very inspired sitting on it on the other side of the North Sea and watching this. 
<laughs> that's amazing <laughs> and 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 i say to people that there's a lot to learn from here that can mm. that can flow to not just the northern european countries but you know to the us to australia and and you know we hope eventually to other markets too where women are struggling with bigger cult bigger cultural issues but the debate has started and i feel that for me makes me feel we're on a journey because this is just yeah. a journey and and there is no end to the journey it's just continues to to unfold but we have a lot to be inspired by and i know you're part of part of that but if i could ask you if you think there were three things that you would say to women were incredibly um valuable for them to take away and think about uh when coming into this phase of life from your community from your own experience yeah i mean i think the thing the thing that um the most important thing i think for women to be aware of is um that you shouldn't be brushed off you know that you you know your body best and there is a danger that the first conversation you have with a health professional may result in them telling you that it's nothing to worry about uh that it's that, that your symptoms aren't really worth um looking to find a solution for and that what you really need is some rest and i think that that is is a really dangerous message to convey to women because we do tend to put ourselves at the bottom of the to-do list and the care list anyway particularly at this stage of life and it's very very difficult to push back when you're feeling at your lowest and you're being told by a professional that what you're experiencing isn't something you should be worried about so i think a top tip would be don't let them tell you it's nothing uh, and make sure that you you go into your gp surgery if that's where you end up with the knowledge that what you're experiencing is likely to be associated with the menopause so there's a lot of information out there now and there's actually a lot of support available online where you can even find documents that allow you to print out and tick the symptoms you've got and almost hand them over to your doctor so you're almost drawing joining the dots for them because you know at the end of the day doctors are general practitioners and so it's highly likely that when you go into a doctor's surgery they won't have had the training on menopause to allow them perhaps to understand that this myriad of symptoms may be pointing to a biological change in your body so if you can help them i think that's really really important um, and i think the, the other really important thing i know it's something that you and i were talking about at the beginning of this interview is mindset's really important so it's not an end of life stage um, in fact, uh, the Chinese have a, a wonderful phrase for the menopause and they call it the second spring. Um, and I love the fact that the stats paint a very different picture. So it's not me or anyone else in the space looking to kind of ask you to put on your rose tinted glasses. It's actually based on fact. You know, we are more likely to be happy. We're more likely to be successful entrepreneurs. We're more likely to, um, deliver into a society value based on wisdom and an increased empathy all of these things make us assets as opposed to people that should just be shuffling off into the corner so so reframing your mind i don't think you can underestimate the impact that has on the way that you approach this life stage it's really really important and so go off and find the things that inspire you go and find the narratives that are taking place that are, are actually far more reflective of midlife than the things you'll see in mainstream media make that your purpose to go and find those women that are going to guide you and i think that's the final point sort of leads into that a little bit um i talk a lot about you know inputting differently in order to output differently and i think the tools that get you to this stage of life may not serve you as you transition through the menopause mm. and thinking and being open to changing 
small things in your everyday routines that could actually make a huge difference to both your body and mind are really worth exploring. And if they don't work, that's absolutely fine. Retire them and go on and find something else that, that kind of drives you. Because again, everybody is different. But, but allow yourself to be open to these new interventions because I think there's huge merit in, in a lot of them. And I'm, I'm the worst cynic. I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at embracing new things. I tend to be quite set in my ways and I've had to really learn. Um, and the, the easiest way I think to do that is to say, I don't have to keep doing it. I'll just, I'll just try one class or I'll just try one meditation session. I'll just try one plate plant-based <laughs> meal. Um, because you don't have to stick to it. But I think being open to that and recognising that it, it actually makes sense to, to use this as an opportunity to see, you know, what will carry you forward uh, and being open to those possibilities. I think that's a wonderful tip, actually, having a beginner's mind, you know, that yeah. try this um, and I'll give it a go. And I might give it a go a couple of times and the more we can be like that, the more we can find our way through that myriad of advice that's out there, because there's a lot, and start, yeah. as you say, we create our own little thing. And, and, it, and it's not really, doesn't really matter if it doesn't work for anybody else. Because if, if, if you love going for a walk, eating this plant-based, doing whatever it is that's good for you, and you feel better, and it's a feeling not what we look like necessarily although that shines through then you know mm. run with it because it's actually nobody else's business <laughs> but yours exactly exactly <laughs> totally agree totally agree and i think um we had a we've been doing a series of workshop with what workshops with our communities we've um trialed our first product and one of the things we try to do is there's a program alongside it which allows women access to experts from all kinds of fields you know everything from sort of hormone cycle coaches to yogis to breathwork practitioners and we had a session last Thursday and one of the women in our community we sort of came out from a meditation this this um, amazing um, breathwork practitioner had taken us through um, probably a three or five minute meditation and this lady emerged from it and said you know what, I'd always got this picture in my head of someone very serene sitting on top of a mountain, you know, with an ability to just empty their mind of, of all thought and, you know, in, in order to reach fulfillment. She said, you know, I lay on the floor, my mind's buzzing, I can't stop thinking about the shopping list, you know, I know what I need to do the minute that I, this, this session finishes. Is that okay? And the, and the breathwork practitioner said, that's, that's absolutely okay. And actually recognising the sort of the busyness of your mind is the first step. And I think so often in life we think that there's you know there's a success criteria you have to be good at something but yeah. as you say a beginner's mindset is a really really useful way to look at it because all of these things can be incredibly helpful and what was lovely about this lady is she never would have done a meditation session if if um she'd been given the option but the fact that it was part of the program meant she had to come with a beginner's mindset and she got something from it you know she genuinely felt better as a result of, of um having those five minutes of, of um lying on the floor so she, she's an inspiration to all of us, actually. That's beautiful. I love that. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your wisdom, your perspective and, and the learnings that are coming from your community. What's next for Empowder? Well, um, so this is a really exciting point that we're talking in that we, as I was discussing earlier, our powders are based on the potential of plants um, seen in trial conditions. And then we've worked with nutritionists uh, to almost establish the longer term learnings that come about as a result of working with women every day. 
Um, and the final piece of the jigsaw has been what's been taking place over the last two months. So having a community of women taking our product every day, tracking their symptoms every week and feeding back to us has allowed us to tweak our recipes and understand the impact that they have and what kind of symptoms we impact at what point in a two month journey. So all of that has been incredibly useful. And so the next stage is to launch the Perry Boost, which is our first powder um, designed for perimenopause. And that hits the shelves in September. So that's quite, that's quite a, a nerve wracking thought for me. And I can't believe that September is, is, is kind of around the corner. Um, <laughs> but what I've loved about it is it has felt like the, the trial, although, you know, um, in many ways, uh, I felt incredibly vulnerable handing over my my recipes to a cohort of women that I didn't know that were from all walks of life and had all kinds of, of journeys leading into their menopause. Mm. Um, to have them sort of feedback with brutal honesty and generosity of spirit has meant that this feels more like a movement than a product set now. You know, I really feel that the the, the makers, as we call them, have got, you know, not only the wisdom that have, has driven our product refinement, but that there's a sort of there's a there's a sense of collective purpose now. So Empowder for me is really so much more than a product set. It is this community and 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 sort of tapping into the wisdom of women to create a product range and a sort of a lifestyle um, offering that can that can genuinely sort of flex to reflect every woman's menopause journey. So that you know that that's a really exciting thing. You know that that I'm 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 curious and excited to see what happens over the next few months. That's wonderful. And Rebecca, how do people get in, connect with you, find out what you're doing, take the survey and more? <laughs> so we are a bit like yourselves. We're, we're on Instagram. We found that a really helpful um, community to be part of. So people can find us at Empowder Store, all one word. Um, our website is www.empowder.store as well. And from mid-July they will be able to pre-order the Perry Boost if they would like to um, but I think the thing that we're we're most uh, looking to do as we build out our community is to find fellow makers so if people are interested in trialing our products you know we have a number of products coming to market over the next six months each of these will go through a really robust two-month trial with women mm -hmm. so you know join our community on Instagram look out for the invitations to test our product and feedback to us and and be part of the conversation so i think the more women sharing the stories uh, the better the better we'll all feel that's wonderful so to the listeners they are connect and if you want to get involved get involved if you want to pre-order pre-order at empowder store that's wonderful and follow them on instagram they put up amazing posts too they're very inspirational rebecca thank you so much for coming on thriving through menopause and sharing your wisdom, your stories and all the best of success to this launch phase. Thank you for having us. Love you to talk. Lovely. Thank you. If menopause is putting a strain on your sex life, relationships, leaving you foggy and moody, then I invite you to join me in this conversation, Menopause and Mimosas. I'm thrilled to be part of a lineup of amazing women who want to support you. We'll be talking brain health, nutrition, moods, libido, and mindset. You don't have to do this journey alone. Grab a ticket, bring a friend, bring your questions with Mimosa in hand. Join the live conversation on Saturday the 12th of September. Don't hear about it, be there. 
There's a link to sign up in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rebecca. Check out Empower Store, get involved in their community, maybe even trial their products. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then don't forget to like, subscribe and share to wherever you listen to your podcasts. Next week, I will be back with an amazing guest, Samuel Hoogstwasser, and we will be talking about sleep and the role that cannabinoids can play to help us sleep better. Until next time, go out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.